Tim and Tom. Tim. Tom. Tim and 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 Tom. It is. Tim and Tom. I'm Tim. He's Tom's. Coming up in the second segment of this episode, we have Dr. Alan Katz of American Public Square, an organization aimed at bringing uh, non-like-minded folks together to have civil conversations about their opposing views. Huh? Did I say that right? How good was that? It was very good, man. Yeah. You are you are really in love with this first I, segment. I did not <laughs> fumble the ball at all, there, Coach. All right. Yeah. Touchdown. Uh, no, but seriously, uh, we already did the interview. We like to get that out of the way so our guests can go about their evening while we labor away in, into the evening making these episodes. And, I, I mean, into the wee hours of the morning even. I mean, we, it takes we a lot. We have done of, that before. It takes a lot of effort. Uh, that's why, uh, you know, you're, you're welcome. That's basically all i got to say to the listeners. You're welcome. No, but seriously, stick through. Uh Listen to us, you know, the whole way through. Obviously, I mean, it's uh, we're we're great all around. But this interview is is great. Also, we we hit a home run on this one, and it's a great organization. So stay with that. But Tom, how are you, man? How's your shoulder? It's uh, it's good. It's it's still you know. It sounds there. like sounds like you did not believe that. Uh, you know, it's what are we in week two and a half, three? We're in is three it? weeks somewhere like that. Uh, I had yeah. surgery on the fourteenth, so. Yeah. yeah, we're into two weeks. 10, 11 plus. days now, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a struggle. So the biggest thing with this that I knew going in and I thought, ah, I'm fine because I don't need that much sleep as it is, is mm-hmm. the lack of sleep. You're always uncomfortable. So when yeah. you're always uncomfortable, trying to get comfortable to fall asleep is almost – non-existent so yeah that's been the biggest struggle you have to sleep on a recliner you have to accommodate that to where you know you're not unconsciously going to one side as you do when you sleep because i like to always sleep on a side i've mm. always been you know go on my left side go on my right side that's how i fall asleep uh, that ain't happening now so i'm getting still about 45 Ugh. minutes an hour each time sleeping so you know the days are long that you get tired it. really quick that explains everything Listeners, listeners, all you that have been emailing me worried about Tom's erratic behavior. There now it we, is. Now we it's know. explained now. now we but know. yeah, so it's going well. Uh, I'm getting uh, my, uh, I'm taking my sling off uh, for about an hour each day to just get my elbow, you know, straightened out, yeah. moving around. I'm using my right hand more often. I still am not like moving the shoulder above my head or out yeah. to the side, but I'm walking and letting it hang. So there's little baby steps I'm taking. Uh, went to CrossFit today Ooh. and uh, did uh, some exercise because I wanted to break a sweat. So that was good. Nice. Uh, yeah, and when I say CrossFit, it was obviously sure. a scaled version. Like I just rode <laughs> the bike and then I did air squats yeah. and then uh, like these, uh, it's called hollow body rocks right. where – you lay on the ground, you roll your shoulders off the ground, then you raise your feet up to where the only thing touching is your lower part of your back, and then you rock back and forth, and it's all an ab core workout. And so I did that as well. So, so no it was shrugs. Good to break a sweat. No shrugs. Still tired. No shrugs. No shrugs. Oh, good no, God. Shrugs. no shrugs. No, no uh, shrugs. No, no bicep shrugs, curls. No overhead press. None <laughs> no, of that. No curls. 
No curls for the girls. Not no at all. Would... No push ups. No set. No dips. <laughs> oh goodness. No, no dips. dips. No so uh, you've been less active than I would assume. I mean, you're still staying active. I mean, Saturday we went down to Donutology and and clocked in an interview that you'll hear in the upcoming weeks, uh, which is a great place. More on that to follow with Tim and Tom. So I saw you there. I mean, you're still getting up. You're moving around. How, how was your week? Yeah, your still getting around. Getting around. You know, trying to be active because sitting in a recliner gets old quick. Uh, actually. This weekend, uh, I rode along with my girlfriend. Uh, she is a driver for Postmates. Never knew really what that was, so I wanted to just do a ride-along, as they say, mm-hmm. and experience what a Postmates driver goes through. It's pretty fun. It's yeah. very interesting. I don't know if I'm cut out to be a Postmates driver because, for one, no one has, like, it seems this way at least, no one ever has their their house number on their house. Yeah. So it's like... 3246 like is that 3246 and so then you're just walking around with pizza yeah. or whatever it is and you're like hey is this yours steve they already paid for it i'm looking for steve <laughs> right exactly right. so uh that part for me it would be a steve i got headache. your foot long coney steve all right I like yeah it. and so uh I did a few drives with her experience that that was fun that was cool mm-hmm. and then I uh, started a new show. I did stay at home and we watched uh, a, a couple new series on Netflix. One in particular was Mind Hunter. Have you heard about this? No. One season only on Netflix so far, but it's about two uh, FBI agents in the 1970s and they like uh, expand the criminal science behind like the psychology of murder. So, like in the 70s, you know, the, the thought process was people kill just because they're bad people. Like, oh, that's a scumbag. He's doing this because he's a pervert or he's, you know, uh, uh, disgruntled or whatever it is. And these two, one in particular, is like, no, there's more to this than just he was upset with his girlfriend or his mom made him mad or the dad beat the girl. There's like other factors to this. And so mm-hmm. it's a... I call it, this is my own term, I don't know if it's true or not, but like realistic fiction where they talk about Charles Manson and people like that, but these murders aren't real. You know what I'm saying? So it's like set in reality, but all the stuff is fake as far as what they're talking about. And uh, yeah, so got halfway through season one, spectacular episode. I cannot recommend this show any more highly than what I just said. So if you're looking for something to watch, check out Netflix mind Hunter, mm-hmm. but Tim, yeah, what have you been up to? Oh man, I feel like a lot. So Thursday we watched the chiefs lose again. If you listen to the last episode, we talked to Nick Jacobs of 41 action news for a Casey sports update. And, uh, he had talked me off the ledge, but, uh, you know, I think I might be putting a toe back to the line on that, but whatever, you know, more on that later. I'm sure. Well, uh, yeah. Real quick about the Chiefs. How crazy is it that this season they've had two Thursday night games and then their next game is a Monday night football game? And then I believe they well, also be the have the second Monday night football game too, won't it? I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, I think they have two three o'clock games yeah. and then a Sunday night game on top of yeah. that. Like, I- the Chiefs I, are the national team right now. Yeah, I think ratings are high in this area. The NFL had said before, and uh, 
Um, the stadium's always packed, you know, when the Chiefs are there and stuff like that. And, uh, and these you know, executives and, love that barbecue. And they were supposed to be good, right? So they knew it was up. Uh, Friday, I really don't remember at all. So, uh, not, not for any bad reasons. I just can't I don't. I guess nothing major happened that I remember. Uh, we went and watched Swim Trunk play a soccer game. On Saturday, we went to Donutology. You and I had some donuts and talked to uh, their owner. Uh, that'll be oh, – I can't wait for that episode to come out too. Um, Real uh, we, quick about yeah. that. You got donuts yeah. after the interview was done, and yeah. you shared them with your family, I'm yeah. assuming. Yeah. Uh, what's the report on that? They all loved them. Yeah. It was good right? stuff. Yeah. Um, we watched the K-State game, which the you know, bad guys won again. And uh, Adam the Neighbor came over uh, during that. Uh, so Adam the Neighbor uh, had – he brush hogged our hayfields and some trails back in the woods for what? us. What? He brush hogged our hayfields. What is that? Yeah, well, so uh, a brush hog is basically a big, big mower, basically that you attach to the tractor. <laughs> so our hayfields have grown over, but they're not going to cut and roll again until next season. So you just cut it down. Um, and so I, I went and picked him up a case of beer, and I called him. I said, "Hey, uh, there's a box at your house, uh, at my house, that's for you." Uh, made him come over and gave him the beer. That's how we get down out here in the country, uh, T-Mac, uh, Tom, over there. And uh, so we watched the game. Uh, he has been talking about the podcast, talking about the podcast. Says, you know, he made his friend come down and look at the studio down here in uh, in uh, Tim and Tom Studios uh, West. And uh, he, he's like, when am I going to be on the podcast? When am I going to be on the podcast? So I turned the mic on. I said, all right, get on the podcast. Let's hear it. And he says, hey. <laughs> I was like, that's it? That's it, man. So yep. we've got to, we've got to, we've got to ease, shot, man. We've got to ease Adam, the neighbor, into the podcast at some point. We've got to hold his hand, uh, get him in there at some point, but he'll be all right. Uh, Sunday we rested and relaxed, uh, a little max and relaxing. Uh, Monday was our, uh, my wife and ours, uh, fourteen year wedding anniversary. Tom, oh, congratulations to her. Fourteen years. Well, yeah, congratulations. You. Of course. Oh, what? yeah (laughs) me i'm great congratulations to your wife a standing ovation for 14 years of hard service if anybody doubts her dogged salute you if anybody doubts her dogged determination through adversity and annoyance and frustration and yeah with me yeah um but she was great she made me uh made a cake made us a cake we went out to eat um where'd you you guys go Oh, we just went to a, a little steakhouse down here at Legends. Not, you know, nothing like a chain uh, thing. We were just doing it quick. Uh, we were going to go Sunday and just kind of go get lost, go take a couple hour drive somewhere and find, some, you know what I mean, some place to just kind of explore. That was kind of our goal. We were just going to, you know, like do something fun like that. And then she really was not feeling well at all Sunday. So that was where our rest, you know, we just kind of relaxed Sunday. And then so Monday we kind of threw together, a, well, let's just go out to eat and that kind of thing. So uh, 14 years old, but we're. Our big thing is we're starting to plan what we do for the next year, right? It'll be 15 years, so we're thinking a trip somewhere, like overseas somewhere, right? Have fun with that. Oh, good luck. 14 years. I I can't even tell you how many things are not the same uh, over the last 14 years of my life. So, uh, you know what I mean? Like, they're saying something, 14 years. And then uh, Tuesday, uh, my car engine light pops on, the old old blue bonnet that I got there. Uh, Take that in and – the transmission pan, the fluid pan is dented and leaking, and that's because of my gravel drive that's all screwed up from the rain that I got to get fixed. So my road that's going to cost me thousands of dollars to fix has now damaged my car that's going to cost me hundreds of dollars to fix. So loving that. 
Yep. Loving that. that. Sounds like adulthood. Loving Way that. Adult. But State Line Nissan is taking care of me. So I bought that car from them brand new in 2012 and uh, still taking care of it to this day. I mean, you know, is what it is. But uh, had a good fun week since we've last spoke, man. And my arm doesn't hurt. So well, I, good I, got for you. The, I got that above you. I got that above you. <laughs> Hey, it's October here, Tom, and us Midwestern boys, October means basically two things, Halloween and World Series. Tom, what do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about the World Series. Okay. I have some strong opinions. Mm-hmm. So are you watching the World Series first off? I did it's not the catch. Dodgers versus yeah. the Astros who are not, for those of you who are not watching the baseball, uh, in the World Series, it's the Dodgers and... And the Houston Astros, Houston Astros making history as the first ever team to make the World Series as an American League and National League team. No other team has ever done that before. And the Dodgers looking to win their first World Series since 1988. Um, uh, The first game uh, we are recording on a Wednesday night, so it is game two. Last time I checked, it was one to one. Um, But game one went to the L.A. Dodgers. And uh, now we're into game two, and uh, first game was decent, and you said you're not watching. Why are you I, not watching? I watched a critically, critically low amount of baseball this year. Um, now, hold on. Pump the brakes there, Fairweather, because uh-huh. in 2015, yeah. when the Royals are in the playoffs, you're yeah. like, baseball is so fun. This is so cool. Uh, well, here's so- here's what I said. Uh, I That from not watching baseball from the strike on and when the Royals suck just having no reason to get back into it I'd forgot how how uh how nerve-wracking a baseball game can be when it is mm-hmm. close score and yep. late innings and there's mm-hmm. something on the line and there's right. so much strategy and nail biting and I mean it's just like every single movement and glance means something yes so Whereas I used to think, well, baseball's just boring. You're standing around doing nothing. Well, a lot of times that's true, but a lot of times it's not. So it was my goal moving forward: watch more baseball. And I did the next year, but then this year I watched less. All you know, I moved and but did why? a bunch of stuff, and just well, I just kind of you know, there's it's so hard to follow baseball, and I feel like when I'm in for a sports team, I got to follow the sports team. And Wait a it is not hard to follow baseball. Well, they throw it, they hit it, and they no, run. No, no, no. If you're going to watch every game, it's every day, sometimes oh, two a day. Well, it's 100. Easy, you know what I mean? It's Skipper. like You don't have to do well, that. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot to follow a baseball team. It's a lot of effort. Well, you know you can, you can get updates well, sent yeah. to your phone. When I did, I mean, so I would, I would know what their standing was, but then it's just like, well, I'm not really watching the game. I'm just like... Oh hey, I saw the Royals uh one one lost four uh this last week. Uh, you know, yeah, man, they gotta pick that up. Like, but I don't know what happened. Like I just like I'm like, oh yeah, you know, fuck, they can't beat the twins or something or whatever it is, you know, like I don't I don't know. Just hard I'll tell you this. Yeah. Uh- about baseball for me when i was growing up uh Derek jeter is one of my favorite athletes in all sports and so growing up baseball i could watch every single game didn't matter as i get older and i've told you this off air it's it's harder for me to uh stay invested in a slow moving sport so golf uh, baseball, those yeah. types of things. I, I just have no patience for it. I just, come on, give it to me instant now. But I think my bigger problem, and this is more indicative of all sports, especially uh, football and baseball, is I think we're living right now in a time where like the athlete has never been better. And so because of that, 
everything is becoming so specialized, especially in baseball. You have a seventh inning pitcher, right? You mm-hmm. have a closer. You have a, a starting pitcher who can only go up against, you know, a, a, a lineup that has right. four left-handed pitchers. All of this stuff. Everything is so detail-oriented and so specifically uh, – you know, you're so specifically trained to do your specific job that it's just becoming the sport is becoming so, or excuse me, the athlete is becoming so good that the sport is becoming so much of a, it's either a home run or it's a strikeout more often than not, it's a strikeout. So you're either getting, it's like a zero sum type of results, either all strikeouts or all home runs, kind of a crap shoot. Let's see what happens. And because of that, it, it just makes it more difficult for me as the viewer to be like, I don't know, baseball's so random. You know, two years ago, the Royals had the best team in baseball and they're winning the World Series. Now they can't even make the playoffs. And you now you got, you know, the Cleveland Indians who won 22 games in a row, which most baseball experts will tell you that's the greatest winning streak because of the athletes, you know, sure. today right. of all time. And they don't even make it to the championship yeah, series, right. let alone the World Series. So it's like, what am I watching? Am, am I just watching basically a lottery in athletic form? And so I don't know. You know, becomes- you know, you know what I get the feeling of? Like uh, in sports that have series, right? You've got basketball. They'll have a seven-game series, right? I don't but understand I, that either. Well, so I feel like that's almost because, you know, like it – the athleticism can be so good and the game can be so close that, uh, you know, on any given night, the lesser quality team can come up and beat the higher quality team. So we do a series because that way we know. Uh, with baseball, I feel like it, I almost feel more like it's like, well, you know, like the best team can just flat out suck real bad for two games. So we got to play more just to make sure that they didn't like screw up two games. Right. Because they're just incompetent. uh, I guess to a bigger point, I I understand a series in baseball because, you know, you have a series of pitchers that wins you games over the course of a season in basketball. Typically speaking, you win with the same starting five each and every night. Sure. So I, that's the only reason why I don't understand why basketball doesn't do a Super Bowl type of thing where yeah. it's a neutral court. You have LeBron's Cavs versus mm-hmm. Curry's Warriors in one Madison game. Square Garden and one yeah. game. Let's see what happens. Well, baseball, I understand because, you know, you might have the two best pitchers in baseball and then yeah. your three, four, five guys are like minor Suck, league right. at best, you know? And so I understand yeah. that one. But well, with uh and with basketball, like you said, like with the NCAA tournament, it's so much more fun and exciting because it's one and done. You're out. Right. You know, like and if you lose what, the stakes so, yeah. are great because that's right. why I'm invested. And not to say that, like you said, it is very exciting. Game seven of a World Series, three two, bottom of the ninth. Mm. I mean, that's one of the best moments in sports. It's just to me, I don't know what I'm watching because all of these guys are so highly skilled that on any night they're you know, everyone's throwing a hundred miles per hour, <sighs> so that's not special anymore. And everyone from the the lead up or the the leadoff guy to the nine hole can hit a home run five hundred well, feet. So it's like, what yeah. am I what am I watching? You know what I don't like here is sometimes there's too much time spent on okay, stop everything, let's change this or figure out what we're doing. So like, okay, stop. This pitcher's going off the rails. Let's stop mid inning. Uh, bring some other guy out. 
uh, who's been throwing a ball out there for two hours. We're going to let him throw 20 more balls out here while we all stand around and watch him. And then he's going to throw. He does two-thirds of an inning. We find out he sucks, too. He lets up a couple more runs. We're going to stop everything again, grab another guy who's been out there throwing balls for two hours, watch him throw another 20 balls, and we still haven't finished one damn inning yet. It's like, okay, can we – at least sure yeah, some I mean, of this I don't up. mind that because that's a strategy and I kind of well, like that cuz then it's like cool well, who do you pick to come sure, out I like but, that but, but I know can what we shore mean. up some of the like hey man we can just stop it for you know like how about well, when an inning starts year, you can't switch some stuff out like what are we doing here Well next year uh I believe they're implementing uh like to the full effect a pitcher clock to yeah, where a pitcher like has that. x amount of seconds yeah. well, and that again I mean, that well, almost, I don't know. I don't you know, know if I, I agree want. with that because then you're saying, hey, man, you have 11 seconds. Is it fastball or curveball? And you're like, well, I don't know. Like this guy just you know, hit a, you know. You know what I would like is a, uh, like, can we figure out something like you've got to finish the inning? Like, can we stop like where we can just stop innings multiple times? I don't like where, hey, the catcher can stop every damn time he wants and go out and talk to that pitcher with well, no regard no, to how many because, times he's done no, it. No, they can't do that because after two after two times that a batting coach uh, visits the pitcher, uh-huh. on the third time they have to get Take them out of the game. You can't something. do sure. more than twice. But I mean, like it just it, it feels like there's a lot of stoppage and a lot of slowage that we could you know shore some of that yeah. up to make it a little more. Let's okay move this with- along. To, to go with uh, a fun fact, or not a fun fact, but a fun story about game one and speaking of time. So that has been a big criticism of baseball, right? The millennial, which we aren't, but the millennial is tired of the three and a half hour, four hour game of baseball. Let's move it quicker. I can do 700 Snapchats in this time period. Let's, you know, right. speed it up, right? So game one of the World Series 2017 was two hours and 28 minutes, I believe. Okay. And that was the fastest World Series game since 1992, nice. right? Guess what the number one criticism of the game was? It, it was, was too, too fast. Too I bad. paid X amount of dollars. I wanted a full baseball yeah. game, and that was too no, quick. You're never going to please everybody, but I just – Isn't that I, insane? I Which, just – as a casual observer, I look and I go, well, okay – if your criticism is this, you guys aren't helping it by taking an extraordinarily long time to do a lot of things that don't need to take that long. Right. I agree. Right. Uh, but did you see that uh, on October 24th, game one of the 2017 World Series in Los Angeles, California, and uh, at starting pitch time, the temperature was 105 one degrees. 105 degrees. Oh, and then tonight it cooled off, and it was only 96. Oh, well, man. Did they bring their jackets? I know. Jeez. <clears throat> All right, so Halloween, Tom. This is You Love like it. this holiday quite a bit. It's my favorite Halloween. Yeah. Halloween is my favorite holiday. Boop, 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 boop. Love so, it. So you said you were going to Sling Blade. You still going to do that? <laughs> I want to, but everyone kind of just giggles. I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a home run. So typically, I like to go. I like to swing for the fences. I like the irony. I like the puns. I like all of that. One year, I dressed up like Santa Claus and I handed out, uh, uh, what what's it called, candy canes, uh, to kids. And I said ho ho ho, and I had a big sack of presents. And I said, if you're good, I'll give you one. But I never gave anyone anything because they were just <laughs> empty boxes. Um, 
another year I went as a Coke head where I put a Coke bottle uh, and I put it to the side of my head and I put some powdered sugar on my nose and I walked around itching myself and just talking really fast. <laughs> okay. uh, another year I dressed up as a ceiling fan where I had like a pennant and it said, number one, ceiling. And it said, go ceiling. So I was like a fan of ceilings. So I was a ceiling fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I love fun. that stuff. Another good one that I had was uh, I got a dryer box and I cut a hole in it and then I put it over me and I put uh, wrapping paper and I put two women from God and I was God's gift to women. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was in my single days. Um, yeah. But yeah. So this year I, I'm stuck with uh, a sling on my arm because of shoulder surgery. And so I thought it would be funny if I got a blade I got a big machete. You can use sling blade, and I go going to mashed potatoes. Yeah, I got a big machete. You can use. You can do it. Yeah, but no one really. I don't know if that's a home run. So we're still thinking. I know we're, uh, you know, got the last minute idea trying to come out, but I still am not sold on. We had a. What are you gonna do? Well, we had a pretty fun uh, Halloween party last year, but we didn't have. We didn't feel like we didn't have enough time to set this one up. I was there. Uh, Remember uh, yep. me and Emily, we went as uh, Bob's Burgers. Yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah, you know, I just, okay, I like Halloween enough, but I never got into it as much as like the, I got to dress up as something every time. I kind of found like whenever I was wearing costumes growing up and stuff, they weren't generally comfortable, and it felt like a lot of people going, hey, what are you? Oh, look, I'm a, you know, I'm this thing. And they're like, yeah. And you know, yeah, I was kind of standing around like, ah, why am I doing this, right? So I never really got into that aspect as much. But, so you didn't uh, hit home runs with your costumes? I guess not. Well, no, it was just everybody. Like, I felt like you had to address every single person's costume. And then, you, well, what are you if, you if it wasn't something easily explainable, you know? And then if it was, people go, oh, awesome, you're whatever. And you're like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, cool. And you're like, great. All right. Well, then, you know? and then it's a party. Then you're talking to each other. It's a great way to ice break and meet new people. I guess, man. Um, so you know, but I mean, I do enjoy Halloween. Obviously, it's fun. Everybody dressing up, and it's, it's a, you know, it's it's starting the newer season. You know, we're getting into fall. Got the holidays rolling around. Uh, it's fun. What about things like haunted houses? Obviously, Kansas City is known for some amazing haunted houses. Fun fact, I have never been to any of them, so I got to go to some of those. But what? I'm not, I'm not really a big fan of the haunted house either. Why not? What because you? you don't like Halloween then. Because I because the haunted house is not scary. It's just like I I feel like it's a challenge because it's like it's a startle fest, right? Like all right, Unless so you're I know afraid of clowns. So I know. Well, well, I'm not. But yeah, I'd almost rather be afraid of clowns than go into a haunted house. Maybe I'll actually be scared. But like, I, I just know I'm like, okay. So any second I go around this corner, some schmuck's gonna come out and and yell blah 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 blah, right? And then so I'm like, you know what I mean? Ready, right? I'm gonna throw. You know what I mean? Like I'm just like, all right. Where's the guy coming from? And then you know they'll get you because you're expecting it. And they come from another side. And you're like ah. And then I just feel like the whole time I'm going. Ah! Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm just like, ah, that's not enjoyable to me. I don't know. It's fun. <laughs> it is so fun. Now, I do want to go see, obviously, maybe I'm judging this on, I have not been to one of the Kansas City, you know, the Beast, and, and what's the one Edge about Poe? What's it called? The um, Chambers? Well, or Edge of Hell. Right? Yeah, there's Edge of Hell. Like, so obviously, I got to go to some of these because, I mean, these are some of the mecca of haunted houses around the, the country, so. It's awesome. Yeah. And, uh... 
uh, Edge of Hell and the Beast and all of those, um, they're in neighborhoods that are scarier sometimes than the haunted right, house. So right. that's just a it's fun worse. little game to play it's right there. Is worse like, getting back to the get car. To this yeah. haunted house and then back to my car in uh-huh. one piece. So that's even fun. What are your go-to when you're handing out candy snacks? What do you What do you like to pick up? Oh, fun size Snickers. Okay. Fun yeah. size Twix. Full size Hershey bars. Ooh. Um, I like. Uh, I like um, dark chocolate Hershey. Yeah. I, I like love that. Dark chocolate. Um, and then I also like Airheads. And then I like yeah, um, Skittles. And then I like Starburst. Yeah. You have to have a good mix of fruity candies and chocolate. My wife will forget the chocolate. She'll pick some stuff up, and I'm like, uh-uh. Now nah, we got to go get, and then I got to go find like the bags that got like the Snickers, the M&Ms, the, the Baby well, Ruth, you know, like all that kind of stuff in there. You got to have a good mix in there. So since you don't have neighbors, We're you don't have it. to like yeah. do trick-or-treating. No, that yeah, our neighbors told Adam the neighbor, they flat out told us nobody comes up here for trick-or-treating. So we're not yeah, going to do that. you guys yeah. are out in the woods. You guys should right. just do a haunted house on your 48. Well, so we have talked to Adam the neighbor about, I was he was driving me around some of the land, kind of showing me some of the back end of the property and stuff on Saturday. And I, I just said, I said, hey man, we've got to cut out some of these trails because they're all wooded back there. It's like between the two of us we've got about 40 acres of woods behind our houses and i was like man cut some of these trails out hook up a you know hayride trailer to the back of of this four-wheeler and we will charge people 10 bucks a ride back through here and we'll all get back here and we'll do the haunted house right instead of me going bah! i'm gonna be the guy rushing out with the chainsaw and the, you know what i mean i was like let's scare some well then some- you have to do research and you have to go to a haunted house then well yeah exactly right uh so we'll do like a haunted wood trail ride right I like it. And we've got great spots that would be good parking spots. I mean, I think we could do something out here with that. And he said he's down, but I feel like, you know, we'd have to be the driving force on making sure it gets done. We'll have to have we'll have Adam the neighbor on so you can kind of convince him that we gotta do this so you can come to it. Yeah, because you, you can won't. be involved. You can be out there in the woods with us. Yeah, I might. Scaring folks, have a haunted hunt. All right, so Oh man, we've talked about so much. We should probably take a break, come back and talk about how we can be less angry with each other when we disagree, right? Yes, yeah. of course. And we'll do that and, by talking to And yeah. be uh, um, more educated on political topics. Right. Right. And we're going to do that by talking to Dr. Alan Katz of the American Public Square. This is a great interview. Uh, just stick to the break and listen to it. When we come back to Tim and Tom. Hey, fun fact. Stone Oven Gourmet, a company in Los Angeles, sells marijuana-laced frozen pizzas. Tim and Tom. Tim. Tom. Tim and Tom. It is Tim and Tom. Tom, I'm excited about this one. We've been talking about it uh, throughout the show, but uh, we've we've been known to get a little political on the on the Facebook and stuff like that, especially with the last election that came up. But and things get a little dicey sometimes when you're out there on the social media having an opinion and saying it loud and proud. 
Yeah, actually, we've been uh, excited about this uh, interview in particular, even before we kind of rebooted Tim and Tom up again, because uh, uh, I became aware of them through, you know, researching local places uh, to go and and to attend uh, because of that last election. So uh, really excited to talk to uh, to our guest tonight. Always bringing the best guests. Right. We try. So we have Dr. Alan Katz, a professor at UMKC, former ambassador to Portugal, if I said that right. You with us, doctor? That's correct. All right. And so you've started American Public Square. Uh, how long ago was this now? Okay. Well, we started American Public Square here in Kansas City a little over three years ago. Okay. And it kind of grew out of something that I'd created in, when I lived in Tallahassee, Florida back in 2006. So the idea had sort of nurtured, been nurtured back then, but when I came to Kansas City to uh, teach at UMKC, I uh, was sort of recruited by the chancellor. He asked me what I would like to do while I was here, and I told him what I'd done in Florida, and I'd like to see whether we could make it work here. So for those who aren't aware what the public, American Public Square is, uh, describe kind of you know the the condensed version of what the goal is for for this organization. Okay, basically, American Public Square is a series of community programs, and the organization is a group of non-like-minded people who are willing to uh, participate in a program on a controversial issue that's fact-based and civil. And the idea behind it essentially is to demonstrate that people who have very strong opinions, who don't agree with each other, can nonetheless have that disagreement based on facts, and it doesn't, it, without demonizing people with whom you disagree. It seems like most of the time now, if we find someone that doesn't agree with us, doesn't matter whether you're coming from the left or the right, we ascribe the worst possible motives to why they don't agree with us. Mm -hmm. And the idea of American Public Square is saying, no, that's really not necessarily the case in a lot of case, in a lot, a lot of situations. So we bring people, we create panels of people who have different points of view. We have, uh, we turn it into a conversation as opposed to a confrontation. We let people from the audience ask questions. We have real-time fact checkers, so people can't make stuff up. Mm -hmm. uh, or if they do make it up, they get caught at it. And the idea is not to embarrass people, but to give them a chance to walk it back. We tell the audience, don't applaud, because we don't want a bunch of red meat lines, which are competing red meat lines that we don't think mm -hmm. is very productive. Mm -hmm. And we have what we call our civility bell, where a number of people have it. And if someone gets uncivil, they ring the bell and everything stops. And we kind of reboot and start all over again. So we are entering our fourth season. We just had a program at the World War I Museum on the future of American pol political parties. It's about 10 days ago. And uh, we had almost 500 people there. Hmm. We had uh, on the panel, we had Howard Dean, we had former chairman of the Democratic National Committee, Danny Diaz, who ran Jeb Bush's campaign, Greg Orman, who is, ran, of course, is an independent for the Senate in Kansas, Jackie Saylor, who runs the Independence Party out of New York, and Beth Benami, who is the chairman of the political science department at UMKC. And we were able to have really a pretty good conversation. Uh, and we had, uh, you know, the World War I Museum said they'd never had a crowd that big there. And really what it's demonstrating to me is the idea that, you know, there is an audience out there for this, that people, you know, we look on we turn on television and we see basically food fights that pass as political discussions. Mm -hmm. And we don't think, and the whole concept behind this was, that really most Americans don't find that particularly 
in lighting and you know it doesn't doesn't it doesn't enlighten them it doesn't make it a pleasant place to be and so we're trying to provide you know a safe place where people who don't agree can come and disagree agreeably to book guests you know going back to season 1 of the American Public Square was it difficult to book guests or was it you know simply the the idea that they loved and they wanted to be a part of it well, you know, it's probably somewhere in between. I don't think that we uh, we, we we reached out for people that we felt were uh, present a point of view that we thought was uh, you know one that needed to be discussed. And, and, and depending upon uh, where people were politically, if they were on the left, they looked at some of the guests that we booked and they said, "How can you have someone like that? They're so right wing." And in fact, some of our members on the right said, "How can you book someone like that because they're so left wing?" which made me think that we probably had it just about right. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, but because we don't pay any of our guests, any of our speakers, uh, we get them to come on their own and we try to encourage them, uh, cajole them, whatever it may happen to be. That what happens is, is that, uh, you know, we've been very fortunate and uh, had uh, a, a very uh, interesting array of individuals who've been willing to give their time to participate in this kind of a conversation. So how do you battle you you've got your panel there you say you've got real-time mm-hmm. fact checkers in this day and age right. where we have alternative facts and people labeling everything fake news do you get some blowback with that do you i mean how do you handle a disagreement in what they agree is a fact or not well well first of all what we have is this we, we have research librarians who are do who are the fact checkers mm-hmm. and so these are not people from one side or the other sure and Billy, there was one panelist who, in, who in one event turned, and I was, I was the moderator, and he said, who's checking the fact checkers? I mm-hmm. said, we're not going down that road. Right. The reality is we have research librarians here, and they're calling up, and they're giving the source of their information sure. when they correct something. And uh, so I said, we're not going to worry about that. And it's the only incident in all of our events that, uh, where, where it's ever even come up. Well, that's good. So I got to tell you, every time we've talked to somebody about uh, American Public Square coming up on an episode of our show, uh, and then we give them kind of the elevator speech of what the goal is of your program here, people are just incredulous. They they seem to think this is an impossible task. Uh, How much of that do you run into? Do you have to kind of talk people off the ledge with this sort of thing, or are people mostly open to it when you talk about it? You you do run into people. Look, look. You know, I I've been involved in government and politics most of my adult life. Okay, I've been around it, so it's not like, you know, I, I'm not I'm not a naif and and, I, and and I'm not naive about the extent of the problems that I think we face in this country. I do think, however, that uh, the, the the first thing people ask me, so what's the product of this? You know, and my answer is the product is the process. It's the process of people seeing you really can have these conversations. They don't have to be nasty. They can right. be fact-based, and which means that issues that we're being discussing, people come away from it understanding that it's more complicated, maybe, than they walk in. You're not turning liberals into conservatives or vice versa. But hopefully what you're doing is you're letting people understand that there is another point of view which is not born out of meanness or lack of concern about you know their country it's rather just a different point of view and that alone i think changes things in a way that uh you know in, in two ways first of all it it adds in the in the community's mind 
that these issues are more complicated. And secondly, the uh, it, it says to the elected officials and the decision makers who they appoint or who they elect, who we all elect, that you know we you don't have to turn this into a zero sum game. <laughs> you don't have to turn this into something that says. You know, if you don't agree with me, you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. Because here we have all these these programs going on. These people come from all over the country to come participate in these panels to talk about the fact that it is more complicated than that. In fact, what I always tell my students <clears throat> the first day of class is uh, my, what I always call my fa- it's my favorite quote from Lyndon Johnson, which is for every complicated problem, there's always a simple answer, and it's always wrong. <laughs> and and people could just recognize that for the obvious point if it was a simple answer somebody would have done it mm-hmm. you know i mean this, yeah. this, and so but and so when people keep coming up sort of saying well the answer to x is y my response to that is well y may be part of the answer but it probably isn't the whole thing mm-hmm. and yeah, what we yeah. try to do in these conversations is to demonstrate that there are different gradations of and different perspectives from different people who are knowledgeable and that they didn't get that impression. They they didn't reach the conclusion that they've reached just by sort of waking up one day and deciding that they had a revelation. Checking out your website, uh, I, I'm looking at your upcoming events, and they're they're kind of wide ranging from uh, feud insecurity to NATO to the Affordable Care Act, and, and they're all very very uh, captivating. And as you said, there's uh, both sides to these issues. But I want to know how do you come up with these issues, and how is that scheduling going for this? Is, is it just November is a month where we talk about food issues, for example, or how does that work for scheduling these events? Well, okay, that's a good question. What we what we try to do is we we, we sit down uh, before the usually in the spring, and we'll pull up every program we've already done, and we'll try to look for a continuum. We have sort of five basic circles under which are uh, are sort of larger topics that we have. That they, any program we do falls under one is civic, one is community, one is healthcare, one is education, and one is faith. And somewhere in there, virtually everything would fall anyway. So, but for us, what we try to do is sort of say, okay, each year we're going to have at least one program for each one of those areas. And then the issue becomes, how do we sort of bring the program together? And part of it is, is that, you know, we, we, we become a membership organization. So we have like 400 members who are paid members. We have probably four to 5,000 people who have attended at least one of our events. And we try to keep in touch with them. We have a a program committee, which we've just finally grown. And so they're they're gonna be meeting shortly to go through, starting to look at next year's programs. And so there's no magic to it. It's really sort of, we will sit down and sort of say, we like these topics. We found uh, community support, both in terms of uh, institutions and individuals who will help us uh, underwrite this because we are a not-for-profit. And uh, what we do is we we sort of cobble something together that we think makes sense. And then invariably what happens is something comes along that we didn't plan on. And the first year it was minimum wage, and uh, the next year it was uh, Muslims in the metro. And uh, we just keep finding something that's going to, you know, because it's topical and it jumps out, and we try to grab it and do something. Last year we were asked to do something by the uh, Lyric Opera, of all people. They were bringing in Dead Man Walking. And so they wanted to 
do a program on the death penalty. And yeah. uh, so they wound up going, I think someone there talked to uh, Adam Hamilton at the Church of the Resurrection. Adam said, call Alan Katz at American Public Square. And so we did a program down at the library, in which Adam was on the panel. So what happens is, is that we've tried to build a lot of relationships around the community uh, with everyone from, you know, Reverend Hamilton to uh, uh, Community Christ and Independence. We're about to launch a uh, program, a series of programs with the Truman Presidential Library. Uh, we've, we work with KCPT and KCUR, the Kansas City Star, uh, live stream through their Facebook account. The program we had on the Amer- future of American political parties and had about 8,000 views. So we just keep working at it. That is great to hear. Uh, I, I wanted to know, though, of of the programs or excuse me, of the events that you've done so far, is there one that stands out to you that you've had the most to- or the, the best time at or, or maybe a speaker, you know, really uh, got your attention? Is there any of those events that have really stuck out to you? Well, you know, it's always always hard to sort of uh, pick out one. We had our one very, our very early one we had was on. which I always use this as an example of how you can do, how you can do these things. Uh, we had one on immigration, and we had two economists who were immigration economists, and we had Chris Kobach, mm-hmm. and we had the national vice president of La Raza. Oh, wow. And what I try to explain to people, I said, you know, and no, nobody ever raised their voice. Really? It wasn't unpleasant. And it, it, we had it out at the Community Christ in Independence, and it was a snowstorm that night. Oh. I remember driving out with my wife, say, turning to her, saying, if this wasn't my program, I'd go home. I'm not sure anyone's <laughs> going to show up, you know. Yeah. We may and, have to get uh, along all night. Yeah. 230 people showed up for dinner. So, wow. you know, the other thing is we try to put connect food with all these things because we think food is a great civilizing uh, yes, influence on people. Yeah. So I hear you mentioning we a lot. So, I, I mean, obviously you don't run this by yourself from your cell phone. You've got a, a big staff involved here, I'm assuming, or? Well, we have a staff and a very good staff. Uh, we also have, but we have an advisory board, which really sort of gave us the uh, what we the added, uh, you know, credibility in the community when we began. Our co-chairs are, are Mary Block and Peggy Dunn. And when I first met Mary and asked her to do this, I had no idea whether she was a Democrat or Republican. So when she told me she was a Democrat, I said, "Well, that's great. Now we need to find a Republican to be your co-chair." Right. And when I started this, the the original idea was a thought was. Should we say it's nonpartisan? But the problem is no one believes anything's nonpartisan anymore. Right. right. So well, we're bipartisan. You know, we we basically we're you know we like to think we have Democrats and Republicans on our board. We have we look at our programs. We generally have people from different uh, points of view, and uh, so I think that we are uh, you know we, we try very hard, and we don't always get it. You know, I mean, we work really hard to make our our attendees be as diverse as possible. And when we started, frankly, we were probably too white, too well-educated, too well-off, too liberal. And we worked very hard at expanding the appeal of our programming to people who are more conservative and people who are more more, more people of color and and also uh, different types of people in the community that might normally go to a program like ours. You spoke earlier about membership alongside the American Public Square. For people who are interested, you know, by listening to this interview, uh, what does that entail? What does a membership look like for the American Public Square? Well, the American we we have memberships that range from 
uh, $75 a year to $2,500 a year. We obviously encourage anyone to, who would like a $2,500 membership. We, we would be very happy to hear from them. Sure. But seriously, on the $75 membership, uh, and you can, if you go to you know, AmericanPublicSquare.org you, or go to our website, you can see how you can sign up. What a membership gives you is free uh, access to all of our programs. Mm -hmm. uh, and it also, and at least three or four of those a year are dinners. And so those dinners are free. And as you buy a membership that costs more, you can bring more people dinners, and there are a few other benefits that that, that accrue to it. Sure. So then you mentioned the bipartisan aspect of it. What about with the growing trend to kind of split away from just two parties? Are you actively involved in trying to think of that, or how do you guys tackle that? Well, when we did the issue on when we did the program on political parties, uh, we had two people on on the uh, panel: mm -hmm. uh, Greg Orman, who's an independent, of course, and mm -hmm. and Jackie Salet, who's been part of the Independence Party in New York. So, if anything, we kind of overweighted that way. Sure. But yeah, no, no, we try to be very cognizant of the fact that you know there there are there are points of view that are not just you know can be attributed to either Republicans or Democrats. Sure. There are, and, and sometimes what you'll wind up in, you'll you'll have a topic. Uh, we've got a topic. We have a program on food safety coming up on the 9th of November, and there's a serious. You know, one of the early bits of scholarship basically said, said "Well, people who live uh, in food deserts—that's the reason that they don't have, you know, access to good food." Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of work that indicate there are other people who would argue that's not true. That there are other reasons. There are different reasons. We mm -hmm. did a program on opioids. Before it was, I mean, we thought it was a crisis, but now it's, sure. everyone else knows it's a crisis. Right. And we had people on there who basically felt that a registry for Missouri would be bad because it was an invasion of privacy. And we had someone who also believed that access to opioids was important in terms of pain management. So you've got, you know, this is not a Democratic or Republican position. These are just different different views. And right. so to the extent that we can find people who can, you know, represent these different views, who, you know, regardless of their party, we think it's probably a, uh, we're doing, we like to think we're doing a public service in that regard. Mm -hmm. Looking ahead, uh, what are some of the benchmarks or goals uh, for the American Public Square? Is this to continue to do more events in Kansas City? Are you looking to make this a, a traveling nonprofit organization that's doing events in other towns? What do you have looking forward? Well, okay, we're not we're not looking to sort of go to turn this into you know a, a barnstorming tour. Uh, sure. We are uh, we have been approached from time to time by people in different cities, and we've told them we're an open source network. Whatever we can do to help them get it set up in their town, we're happy to do. And uh, what we've been able to do, and we're and we're doing more of in in Kansas City, is we're getting to a lot of different places. I mean, we've had programs. Uh, out at the uh, Church of the Resurrection. We've had them at Donnelly College, UMKC. We've had them uh, at Church Community of Christ, the Truman Library. Uh, and I know I'm forgetting three or four other places, but sure. the point has been we want to continue to move our programming around the community because there are a lot of people in the community who won't travel the distance, on, and, but they will travel a short period of time. They come to your program, and if they like what you're doing, then they'll, then they'll follow you somewhere else. So the goal here really is is to make this uh, sustainable in terms of growing our membership. It's a question of sort of being able to figure out. People keep saying, well, is there a what next after they go, fine, I go to a program, I hear all this stuff, what next? And that's what we're working on right now, trying to figure out what that looks like. 
So, and, and I like how you kind of mentioned earlier where it's not necessarily about political parties. It's more so about opposing views and trying to bring those to having civic discourse or civil discourse. Uh, but this, I, this does feel like local officials to me should get involved in this. I kind of want my elected officials to be involved in this. Has there been any push like that to try to get, see, you know, mayors? Yeah, we've had, and well, actually, actually uh, Mayor James has been on a couple of our panels and they've okay. been very supportive of what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, we, continue to look around and in some ways you know the interesting thing is it is we have tried to avoid for the most part uh people who are currently holding public office Mm -hmm. or are running for public office because it just changes their approach in most cases in terms of what they're willing to say yeah uh we actually find ourselves things are a little easier if you find people who uh, have served in public office mm-hmm. because they have a perspective that is different and uh, they're usually willing to be a little more candid about it. That's not true in all cases. And the mayor, I'll tell you, the mayor has been very candid on both of the programs that he was on, and both of them were very tough programs because in terms of education. We had some, I think, some really, really you know, difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. So it isn't always true, and a lot depends on whether you know you know the person or whether it's someone that you just really don't want to turn them in, you know, you're not really looking for them to give a campaign speech. Right. For the curious listener that that's finding more interest in the American public square, um, is there events that they can attend, you know, to, to get a feel for what this is, or do they have to become a member first? And then that's the way they no, attend no, the event? Yeah, no, right. No, no, actually this, this, we, we've been very, very forthcoming in that regard. If someone contacts us and says, well, you know, I don't really know what you are. It looks kind of interesting to me. Could I come? Usually, usually for dinners, we charge a small amount for the dinner. If it's not a dinner program, they're welcome to come for free. Hmm. And, uh, you know, and if someone says, yeah, I'd like to come for the dinner, I can't afford the dinner, then we, we use about, oh, probably a third of the dinners that we wind up providing with people are, are paid for, uh, not specifically, but generically by our members. Mm, okay. I got you. Because, again, that's part of our outreach program. So anyone who's interested in coming to one of our programs, all they really need to do is to contact American Public Square, and we will do everything we can do to accommodate them. Oh, that's doesn't nice. mean we won't try to sell them a membership. Of course not. The point is, is that we will, we, we, we will try to accommodate them because we think that this is, this is something that has the community, the community to whom it's been exposed has, has embraced it, you know, frankly, beyond my expectations. What? And, and so it, we believe that we want to continue to broaden that uh, exposure to the community. Now, we're certainly glad you're, you're doing this and you're, and you're leading this charge because Man, if the last election taught us anything, is that uh, we're 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 hating each other for for some reasons that maybe we shouldn't have to. We can just kind of sit down and talk a lot of these things through. So, where else can people find out more information? You guys on you know you have a website, social media, that kind of stuff. What, what we can have, we plug? We have a website. We're, yeah, right. We're, we're, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Uh, any place that, that that basically, if people want to just go online to AmericanPublicSquare.org. They can. Uh, we're happy to have someone talk to them. We'll send them whatever information they're looking for. Uh, we, as I say, our goal here is to get as many people excited about what we're doing uh, as possible. Well, Doctor, we appreciate you coming on and, and telling us more about the great work you're doing over there. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, hopefully, we'll see you guys at one of our events. Yeah, we'll have to come out, and uh, we'll leave the we'll leave the signs and the megaphones at home, though. 
<laughs> oh, you can bring them with you. That's okay. We're okay. a very we're a very hospitable group. Okay? okay. All right. We'll do that then. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Well, there it is, Dr. Alan Katz of American Public Square. What you think, T Mac? Yeah, I loved it. Like I said, uh, a lot of those questions for the interested listener was actually just the interested interviewer. And so I was more asking for myself. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully people listening uh, were just as interested as I was. Uh, but check out AmericanPublicSquare.org, uh, their list of events. Uh, they've got wide ranging topics, as we mentioned. Uh, the next one is going to be November 9th. It uh, seems to me from just a quick glance that they've got one going on uh, at least once a month. So mm-hmm. if you can't make it to the November 9th, try to come out well, to December. Um, well, and he and said uh, – very interesting stuff. Well, and he said the cheapest membership is $75, and then you get a couple free dinners throughout the year. I mean that's more than going to pay for it uh, in and of itself. I, I feel like you ought to get one of these just for that. And then, and, then you're going to see you know, all kinds of fun conversations while you're at it. De- definitely. And one thing that I find interesting about this is there's so many topics that I find uh, interesting but that I don't necessarily have an opinion on. I'm not mm-hmm. one side or the other. And so I think this is a great platform to use to just educate people who have heard of – the opioid crisis, for example, and don't exactly know what that means in the cons and uh, of opioids and things like that. So I, I think it's an informative event, even though they're also there to get both sides of an argument out. So I'm very interested and I really like this. This was a really great interview. Well, and we can all calm down. We don't have to hate each other. We don't have to say, you know, you're a, like like Dr. Katz said a lot. You're you're a terrible person because you don't also think that we need gun control or whatever your stance is on whatever issue, mm-hmm. right? You know, like just calm down. Like we can talk this through. We're adults, most of us, some of us, not us. Here on Tim and Tom, <laughs> we're gonna come back after the break. That's why we'll just be in the crowd and we'll listen and yeah, let the we'll, adults we'll be do there the talking, taking notes on right. how to be a how to be a civil adult in yeah. today's society. That's that's what we're there for more is to take notes on how to how to have the conversations first, and then we'll have the conversations later. So, all right, we will come back, and Tom's gonna keep you up to speed on what's happening around the metro this week when we come back after this break to Tim and Tom. Fun fact. 3623 Chaplin is an asteroid named in the honor of Charlie Chaplin. Tim and Tom. Tim. Tom. All right, Tom, take two. We had a little technical difficulties trying to bring you this uh, fun segment here, but we're going to try it again. Tom, uh, it's Halloween week and weekend. Yeah, what, it is, man. Going it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, checking out all the festivities. As we mentioned earlier, um, check out the haunted houses, even yeah. though Tim has not. Hopefully yeah. he will soon. Don't uh, do as I do. Edge do as of I Hell, say. The Beast are the big ones. Um, obviously there's going to be smaller events across the Metro and cities like Lee summit independence, Overland park, all of that. So check it out, whatever's close to you, but make sure to get out there and enjoy some type of Halloween activity. And, uh, we got a list of some other things going on. So you just want to get right into it. Let's do it. I want to hear what's going on. 
All right. Well, Tuesday, October 31st, which is Halloween, uh, you can join the Kansas City Beer Company for their Halloween Scary Movie Thon at Ooh, the Kansas City Beer Company. So be here it goes. You, wait, join you drink them. beer and you watch movies? Right. Well, here huh. it is. Here's the description, the details, as they say. Uh, they say, join us at KC Beer Company and the Beer Hall for our second annual Scary Movie Thon. The party starts at 7 p.m. with scary movies, popcorn, $2 beers, spooky cookie truffles, and festive, and this is in quotes, Finger dogs. Don't know what that is, but it sounds fun. You know what that is. Two dollar beers. Yeah, and fun, scary movies. Yeah, exactly. As if two dollar beers isn't enough to get you out there. You also get finger dogged and uh did I say that right? And yeah. uh some scary in movies, quotes, right? Air yeah. quotes. You gotta do the air quotes. Right, yeah. I'm going out to get finger dogged at the KC Beer Co- All right, they're never gonna well, they're certainly not gonna advertise with us ever. Um <laughs> all right, so what do you that sounds that sounds like a fun event. What else we got? Well, then let's get past Halloween with our events. And at the Kansas City Improv, Pablo Francisco will mm-hmm. headline. And if I've you're not familiar with him, check him out. He is hilarious. A ton of impressions, really quick one-liners. Uh, he's been featured on every type of show you can think of and every type of network from Fox to MTV to Comedy Central and everything in between. So he's a really stand- funny stand-up comedian. It's kind of hard with stand-up comedians to kind of give you a sound bite. So, like I said, Google him, YouTube, however you want to find his work. But uh, check him out. And, again, he will be headlining the Improv uh, 7.30 uh, Thursday, November 2nd. And Are you improv- familiar with Pablo? I am. I've seen him a few times. And, and just the improv is a fun – for anybody who hasn't been there, you can also get a meal. You go there. You know, you eat. You watch the show. It's a fun small setting. They like to interact with the crowd typically when they're there. I mean, it's a real fun place to watch a comedy show. It is. It's really great. I've seen uh, a couple stand-up comedians in the last year there. Uh, Tom Segura and uh, Burt Kreischer both uh-huh. killed it. And it was and, amazing. And Mick Foley. And it is a really cool atmosphere. Like, we went to – get- Mick- go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you get a great meal. Like, it's high-quality yep. food. It's not just, you know, $2 Cokes and cold yep. hot dogs. It's real high-quality stuff. And it's in a cool uh, part of the cool part of the city where yep. after the improv, you can get a beer at another yep. uh, local establishment. It's really, really cool out there. Yeah, I uh, we went on a mandate there to watch the one-man McFoley show. Yeah, we did a yeah. couple years ago. That was fun. Yeah, right, exactly. All right, so what else we got? Oh, here we go. Now let's look for a more family-friendly event, although this could be pretty incredible for any age. But at the Kansas City Zoo, they have what they're calling the Great Pumpkin Smash. Smash. Now, uh, what this is, in a nutshell, is you're going to watch these animals crush, kick, bounce, (laughs) and play with big orange pumpkins I, at I, scheduled events throughout the day. I have How to awesome this. is that? This sounds so fun. I have to see it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is a family-friendly kind sure. of event, but it's also like a, hey, man, do you just want to see an orangutan uh, yes. squash this pumpkin? Orangutan was the first thing in my mind, too. I was like, this is going to be fun, right? Or do you want to see a giraffe take it up like 30 feet in the air and yeah, throw it into an, the air watch it just s- fall to the ground? I want to see an elephant pick up a pumpkin with its trunk and just throw it at the wall. Yeah, or I want to I want to see like a leopard just bite into it and just like pumpkin goes all over their face or a polar bear like 
dunks it into yeah. the snow or something. I don't know what they're yeah. going to do. With or like an otter makes a boat out of it or something cute, right? Like, come on. Let's see some. Or a kangaroo treats it as a child and puts it in their little <laughs> pouch and starts hopping around with it. You never know. Right, like Wilson from uh, the... <laughs> what movie yeah, was from that? Castaway. Yeah, Castaway. All right. That sounds super fun. Check them out the KC Zoo, the Great Pumpkin Smash. And what else do we got? All right. Huh? Now, uh, let's uh, finish up the weekend with mm-hmm. you had said off air they're kind of a one hit wonder. They've had a uh-huh. few hits. I love them. I've actually seen them in concert before, but Blues Traveler will be celebrating their 30th anniversary with a tour. And they will be in town Sunday, November 5th at 8 p.m. at the Uptown Theater. Now, yeah, they had several hits. But once you've moved on to decades of doing music and you still only had three to four, it still feels like you were a one-hit wonder. Man, they're so good. It was all one album, right? Yeah, (laughs) that lead singer, man, he can... I forget his name off the top of my head, but he can play that harmonica with the best of them. Play a little something for him. Yeah, here. Well, and he's got a great voice, too. Oh, man. And this is the 90s, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, well, And this isn't like, I mean, we all know this song, but their song's deeper than this, too. It's not all, you know, the pop. T- in fact, this song was kind of tongue-in-cheek in yeah, that regard. Yeah, this is definitely a middle finger to the pop song, which is hilarious right. because it became the so, pop song almost in the mid- so mid-90s. This particular song, I was early, mid-high school and uh, I specifically learned the lyrics so that I could sing the really fast part. Because like I always, I always, <laughs> I always liked the Micro Machines guy growing up. Remember that guy, the guy that could talk really uh. fast. And I had an ability to do that. So if I could find some way to display that talent, because I'm not a man of many talents. So if, I, <laughs> if, if but the if, ones you, the ones I'm, you do have, you're going to exploit to the fullest. Yeah, I will exploit and just burn it into the ground, so everybody is annoyed with it. Uh, so I would be like, "Well, I could sing that part," and they'd be like, "No, you can't." And you know, it's drunk parties and whatnot. Uh, yeah. So yeah, this is always fun, right? Yeah, I like this. Yeah, and I like Blues Traveler. It's one of those bands alongside like Bare Naked Ladies, uh, <laughs> some other, you know. Um, we uh, changed. They had the uh, was Bare Naked Ladies the one that did the If I Had a Million Dollars. Yep. At karaoke, I used to run karaoke for my mom's karaoke. Two guys came up and they had changed the words and made their own song and made it If I Had a Dollar Fifty, and they would sing. <laughs> If I had a dollar fifty, and they had their own lyrics and everything, and it was a, it was a hit, they would have to sing it every week for karaoke. It was great. If I had a dollar fifty, yeah. So yeah, yeah blues so traveler. We got a lot of a great. Uh, we got a lot of great events uh, coming up. We got the KC Beer Company with their Halloween movie thon. Uh, the great pumpkin smash at the Kansas City oh, Zoo. Take your kid. So take a friend. Make sure you check that one out. That seems like a lot of fun. And then, as we mentioned, uh, Blues Traveler, uh, Sunday night at the Uptown Theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, big thanks to Alan Katz, American Public Square, for giving us some time to kind of tell us how we can all calm down a little bit and work through our problems together. And, uh, and get thing. more educated on important issues as right. well. And meet uh, like-minded and non-like-minded folks uh, around the city that bu- that obviously care and want to work through things with you. So it sounds like a, a, a great organization. Check them out. And, of course, we'll be back next week for more Tim and Tom. Fun fact, the cereal Cookie Crisp was created by Purina. That's right, the pet food company. Mm-hmm.
I'm a prayer to pray, that's really all this was One of the feelings stuck in me if I've got no rhyme on me 